Welcome to the Ruby Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle, and I'm really honored you've joined us. The Ruby Kind is a community of thriving young women learning to embrace our unique giftings through real conversation and practical application. We are passionate about empowering you to be an authentic Jesus follower, the kind that's worth far more than rubies. Welcome to the Ruby Kind Podcast. This is our first conversation of the year outside of our vision month last month. Um, and I'm really excited because one of my favorite people in the world is here today. Hopefully he's my favorite. It's my husband, Brian. Welcome, Brian, to episode number two with you. Are you pretty excited? Yeah, glad <laughs> to be here. I'm excited to be here. And hopefully we can have some conversations tonight that help people. And yeah, I'm, it's fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So we are going to talk tonight about what God really said about two becoming one. So you may have heard um, the scripture or get thrown out in Christian circles about when you get married, you become one flesh, and that kind of becomes this elusive thing that we know is in the Bible, but we don't maybe necessarily really know what's being said here. And so we're going to talk about that tonight. And I'm really excited Um Number one, just because I love talking about marriage and just sharing our journey and what we feel like, you know, God's saying in the scriptures. But I really hope that this is going to just be a blessing to you, especially during the love month. We're kind of embracing that full on. And if you're a female, I'm (laughs) sure um, you either love the month of February and think it's super fun or it irritates the daylights out of you. So hopefully this will just be a nice conversation and that it will encourage you in your marriage or engagement or whatever you've got going on. So Yeah, and hopefully it's centered and grounded in Scripture. Uh, that's always the goal. But, you know, one of the things I was thinking about before this is just to make sure that we kind of tackle the, you know, the first thing being that we have been married for 10 years, as we've mentioned previously on the podcast, but we'd have no kids. So there should be a small asterisk by (laughs) a little bit of what we talk about, and we're totally cool with that. We've got a great marriage, and we're still learning and growing, but just to remind everyone about that, because if you have kids, then it shifts the dynamic a little bit. None of these truths change, right? but it does shift the dynamic a little bit, so... Yeah. Just wanted to mention that right up front. No, that's good. That's good. So no matter where you're at in life, if you're single, dating, engaged, married, divorced, have kids, don't have kids, um, we're just going to dive into what scripture says about two people becoming one flesh. And what I'm most excited about is that we opened it up to you guys for your questions and you guys asked some really good questions. So I'm, I'm really excited to get to those questions for you. Um, I'll start off by just reading the scripture that this podcast is going to be centered around. And it's going to be Matthew 19, four through six says, and he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. So 
little bit of context. If you read that full passage, which I'd always encourage you to do anytime we're going through an, a singular scripture is to kind of read the context within that. But basically the Pharisees, this group of religious people are trying to find justification for divorce outside of adultery. And they are looking for any reason. Can we, can we get divorced for any reason? And Jesus comes in and reminds them that according to Genesis two, which is where the one flesh comes from, woman was taken from man's rib and they are now one flesh. And so he's pointing them back to what God's heart is on marriage. And that's that when a man and woman get married, they become one flesh. So I think what we'll start with is just, what do you think about what one flesh means, babe? Well, I was thinking about this just in the past week when you've talked to me about joining you on the podcast, and I think it's important right up front to make a distinction here, because I think for most people that are married or in a relationship that's headed that way, your significant other can become your source, and it's very important to place priority on Christ Mm -hmm. in your life and your discipled walk above your significant other. Right. Because the overflow of your relationship with Christ should be what become results in your marriage or your relationship with your significant other. Um, So that's one thing to, I think, start off up front. We're commanded in scripture to start a journey and a surrender to becoming like Christ to have his image formed within us, but that's not the same thing as the two becoming one flesh. When it talks about husband and wife, we're not Mm. supposed to become each other. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to take our value systems and our lifestyles and our views and our emotions and all of those things and, and, and begin to kind of mesh those into something that will be ultimately a relationship that gives him glory. Right. So I just think it's important right up front to kind of make the distinction between our relationship with God versus our relationship with our significant other and, and, and why there's a difference there, I think is, is kind of pertinent to talk about right up front. Yeah. I like that. I, I was just at a women's event the other night and there was a young lady that I sat next to and, um, we were a group of married women kind of having a conversation about relationships and stuff. And she said something that, um, I think is really common and, and maybe this is more common for women, but maybe it's, I don't know, you can kind of speak to the the man side of things, but she said, what do you do about the fact that, you know, we've been married for not a super long period of time, but, um, all of a sudden it seems like I don't have any interests. I don't have anything that I'm doing. That's stuff that I love. And all we ever do is just kind of, sit around and hang out together. And she's like, I kind of feel like I'm losing myself within our relationship. Is that common? Is that normal? And I think that is actually kind of normal. It's not that it's, it's, it's obviously because there's something lacking there, but it's really easy to fall into that trap of just kind of droning through the relationship. And, and that's not really what one flesh means, right? It's not where we lose ourselves or lose the, the things that we love. Um, but there's, there's a, I think there's probably a harmony within that. What do you think about that? Well, I think there's a working out of our personalities and value systems that, that kind of is exemplified in the biblical view of marriage. And by that, I mean, we take the parts of us, like you said, we don't want to lose ourselves 
Now, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, we're commanded to lose ourselves. Right. So, but with, with each other, I think losing ourselves and our unique abilities and gifts and talents would be a mistake because the other person can benefit from what you Mm -hmm. have to offer. So I think in a relationship, as we draw closer together and part of becoming one flesh, I think is the positive attributes about yourself begin to rub off on the person that you're with and vice versa. And then the negative attributes begin to fade away and vice versa. So maybe you would recognize some negative aspects about my life that need to be corrected or changed. And because of my relationship with you, ultimately, again, my relationship with Christ, but I think so often he uses people and especially our marriage partner to maybe show us areas in our lives that need to change. Mm. And I think that's part of becoming one flesh is me recognizing the things that are unhealthy in my life, changing those for the betterment of myself and our marriage and you doing the same. And Mm -hmm. and it can kind of work both ways if we're both looking to that in each other, not always looking to point out faults, but part of becoming a better person is that aspect of, Mm -hmm. of letting people look into your life and say, here's what I see that may be wrong. And lending our ear to that because we live in a culture right now that is so consumed with self Mm -hmm. and my viewpoint and my opinion. It just kind of goes in every layer of our culture right now. And, And unfortunately for our flesh, Christianity preaches the opposite of that in almost every level. Yeah. So we need to encounter that, number one, with Christ. But then I think... The avenue of marriage is a way to, um, oh, is a way that God shows us to do the same exact thing, kind of walking through that with someone else. And I, I know for me, there's areas in my life that have become significantly better because you've identified them as unhealthy, and then I've kind of started the path to changing them. Mm. And I would hope, you know, vice versa, and that we've seen that in each other's lives. So, you know, for me, one flesh really is represented in kind of that idea or thought. I think it's funny because when we think about discipleship and when we think about um, the members of the body, we often negate the family unit, whether that's just you and your partner or whether that's you and your partner and your kids. Um, But those like those aspects of the church, the healthy aspects of the church are to apply within the family unit. The family came first. You and I have talked about that so many times, but the family was established long before the church was. And I think that you know, I think about like the scriptures in Corinthians where it talks about every joint supplying and, um, and I think about like what it really means to be a disciple and walk that discipleship journey. And oftentimes we look at other people and other relationships as these are, these are the ones that I, these are the people I need to disciple or be discipled by, but there's something so incredibly intimate and, and deep about, uh, a married couple being able to kind of come together and walk that discipleship, discipleship journey out together. And really within their marriage, every joint supplying the gifts yeah. and the talents of each person being able to supply. Yeah. And I, I've said this many times before, but I believe, you know, unfortunately in our world today, diversity usually breeds prejudice mm-hmm. and It's supposed to be the complete opposite within the church. Diversity should bring about unity because we all have unique gifts and talents that God's put on the inside of us. 
for the betterment and the and the advancement of the body of Christ, but I think that's also true on a, on a smaller level in our marriages. Mm-hmm. And I say a smaller level just based on numbers, numbers of people, <laughs> but actually we should view that as being in that relationship as a, as as a greater piece to the puzzle. Mm-hmm. We yeah. should put our marriages before the church. Right. We should put God first. You know, our marriages is is second behind that, and then church. And you know, I have both have been in ministry you know, for a a good portion of our life. And that's one thing we see kind of mixed up as well Mm -hmm. is putting the church first before, before your marriage, but it's so important. And that's a delicate, uh, it's a delicate topic, but it's something that we, that it's important to, to talk about. So just the idea of, you know, you have these diverse giftings and callings and talents in your life that can be an asset and a blessing to my life and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So our many times we could look at it as our diversity, especially in the differences between men and women, yeah, can be assets to each other. Where we've talked about this many times before, but you are generally a lot more sensitive spiritually than I am. Right. And I'm more focused on kind of a black and white system of seeing things. Yeah. And so... I think being married to you for the last 10 years has helped me to become more sensitive spiritually. And I'm starting to see the the fruit of that in my life. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the fruit of you kind of, kind of seeing things a little bit black and white when, when that's the necessity. Yeah. It's a really cool thing. I, I, I just want to encourage you guys. I mean, Brian and I definitely, like he prefaced in the very beginning, we're, we've been married for 10 years. I feel like we've learned a ton, but we still have so much to learn. It's it's such a process, just like any any other relationship is. But I just I want you all to know that genuinely from the bottom of our hearts, marriage it does not have to suck. It doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your entire life, every single day of your life. It can be a really beautiful harmony. And and that's I think how Christ set it up to be. That was his desire for it. It's supposed to be a a replica of Christ in the church. That's why he tells the husband, love your wife like I loved the church and how I gave him myself up for her. And that's, that's the relationship. That's, that's what we're supposed to be representing. And so not only is God's grace sufficient to do it, but not just to do it, to get it done, but it it can be really, it can thrive and be just a ton of fun. Yeah. And, And that's what it should be. It should be that. And I, think just like any other areas in our lives as people, we put our self-interest first Mm. and we let our flesh take over. And any areas that were undisciplined or seem to be crumbling in our lives is usually a result of that, that we're not making the decisions that we know we should be making. And especially for Christians, we have this relationship with God leading the way and helping us to see things more clearly. And so I, I just think, you know, one of the things I was thinking about when you were saying s- some of the last things you mentioned was that marriage is, is hard work mm-hmm. as well as being awesome and, and and anything worth anything is tends to be difficult. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think there's very few things in life that just come that are worth something that come easy. And and I think marriage is one of those things that it definitely doesn't come easy. But at the same time, when you dedicate to it and you surrender to the Lord and you surrender, you know, yourself to that, 
I think it's the best relationship that we have on this planet. Well, I think we should dive into some of these questions. So I'm going to yeah. task you with choosing question number one. You get to pick. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to save the we're going to save the spicy ones for last. Okay. How about that? Because okay. that's always fun to do. Let's do the happy one then. Let's do okay. what's your biggest joy of marriage. Okay. What do you think about that one? What is the biggest joy of marriage? We talked about this the other day, but I, I think just the simplicity of having time together and you and I kind of coming to the agreement together that we would rather have experiences over possessions. Mm-hmm. And just being together and spending time together. And I think it's a beautiful way to mimic what originally our relationship with God should look like. Mm. You know, God created Adam and came down, the Bible says, and walked with him in the cool of the evening. And I think about that's when when you think about that, you you begin to see that's why God created us, Mm, that he could spend time with us. And so why are we... You know, in that kind of foundation of friendship, why do we commit to each other in the act of marriages so that we can spend time and have these experiences together? And I think that for me is the biggest joy of marriage is just any time, whether a small opportunity or, you know, a large opportunity, like we went to California this last Mm -hmm. fall. Those are things that I look forward to just spending time and being with you. Yeah, me too, babe. Um, <laughs> it's the sappiest. <laughs> yeah, me too, babe. <laughs> I I would have to agree. I I actually said the same thing, and and for me, it's it's definitely all of those experiences, but it's it's just truly the companionship of the relationship of like the highs and the lows, having somebody to do all the little things with, like experience all the things with, and 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 really like a shoulder to lean on to. Um, somebody to just chill and do nothing with. Um, we've said this, we've, you know, through some premarital counseling that we've led a couple of times and just, and then just through relationship, we always tell people that are getting ready to get married that your friend outside of your relationship with Jesus, literally your friendship can get you through anything. It can get you through no money. It can get you through just the struggles of, of starting a family and that being hard and, losing jobs, losing relationships, lack of intimacy, like it, it truly friendship is, is the most important thing I think. And it's, it really is for me. It's the, just the joy of marriage is that companionship. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see, what else do we have here? How about what are some hard choices you've had to make to put the other person first in your marriage? I actually, maybe this would be a good time. I actually brought a scripture to share, which overachiever being super spiritual, but Philippians (laughs) chapter two, verse two through five. And I want to focus on one part of that says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Hmm. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So I think probably one of the hardest choices is just that individualism that we have in our society. And, and that's, that's the culture that we, that's the foundation of the culture that we live in today hmm. is that, is that individualistic view. And we're really just trying to break that up. 
Yeah. When it comes to marriage and relationships, even close friendships, the Bible here in Philippians chapter two is not even talking about marriage. It's talking about friendships or relationships. And I love that mainly in verse three, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. I would say the hardest choice that you make is counting your husband or wife more significant than yourself. I would say that is the hardest choice to make, especially again, when we have a world and culture that screams the opposite, you know, to put yourself, your, your views and your opinions and your, your cares above everyone else's. And somebody out there is getting uncomfortable, I think, with this question, you know, just because, or this, you saying that because maybe they've experienced the, like a, an unhealthy relationship. And let's be clear, it's, it's very important to know who you are and to be confident in who you are and to not walk around self-loathing and, and hate yourself and to allow yourself to be manipulated and abused. But in a godly relationship, whether it's a marriage or a close friendship or whatever, it is putting the other person above yourself because the other person's doing the same thing. It's this mm-hmm. mutual exchange of serving the other person um, above yourself. And Jesus is the best example of that. He said, I, I came, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and right. give my life a ransom for many. And I, I think that that's, it's a hard tension to wrestle with because everything that you see online, everything that you follow constantly is pointing you to focus inwardly on improving yourself, bettering yourself, no matter what, how anybody else thinks, no matter how anyone feels, you, you do you, you take care of you first. Mm-hmm. And that's it. If that trickling into a marriage is completely destructive, it's yeah. super destructive. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'll be honest and I'll just, this might be a little, we're maybe getting spicy already, but <laughs> if you're a man or woman out there and you have consistently had issues in relationships over and over and over, this might be one key to look at. Mm. Have you really taken into consideration what this means and what, because Jesus didn't mince his words. As much as we would like to paint this picture of this extremely passive Jesus, he was anything but that. Mm Mm-hmm. And he just blatantly said things. And that is either for you to decide to take to heart and live out or not, you know, and if you don't, then the fruit of not doing it will become evident in your life. I see so many young people going around in circles because they have believed this lie of individualism, Mm -hmm. like I'm going to put my interests first. I'm going to put my desires first. I'm going to put my body first. I'm going to put my heart first. I'm going to put my mind first in every aspect that you could think. And Jesus comes to say to us that those of you who try to to grasp and hold on to your life will lose it. Yeah. And those of you that will lose your life for my sake will find it. Mm-hmm. And like I've said before, to be very honest, just as a personal testimony, I've never felt more alive or closer to the heart of God than when I'm serving other people mm-hmm. and putting their interests above my own. Yeah. I really don't feel that good when I 
serve myself. And I'm not saying that that there's not times for rest and that there's not times to make sure that you are mentally recuperating and, and strong. I, I think there's times to definitely, you, you need to take care of yourself. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm not talking about self neglect, right? I'm talking about self denial, mm. which are two different things. Self neglect would be you not taking care of your physical needs. You always shaming yourself in situations, but self denial is the opposite of those things. Self denial is I'm going to look at what I have to give and I'm going to give it. Mm. And that's ultimately what Jesus came to do. And so yeah. it can be hard. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I've had so many experiences in my life that we don't want to talk about the hard things and we don't talk, want to talk about what actually leads to results. Well, in this case, what leads to results is do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Mm-hmm. That's in your life and that's in your marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. And obviously the Lord is going to lead you if you're being abused or there's an extreme imbalance where you just continue to pour that out to people around you and 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 the opposite is returned because we're dealing with people and that's messy mm-hmm. and we can we can kind of ditch jump the lord's going to lead you out of those relationships yep. you i was going to say this you know at some point tonight but if you are if you are with someone who is not putting your interests first on a consistent basis, that might be someone that if you're not married to them, that maybe you don't want to stay in a relationship with. Yeah, for sure. If they're, um, for women especially, this is a kind of a, a man thing. If they're a, If the man is objectifying you or making you feel uncomfortable or uh, you know, a, a lot of these things that can happen in a relationship where it's just very... Uh, out of balance. Mm-hmm. Those are things that please at this point, cut that off, right? Cut that off. That's not God's will for your life is to be abused. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, that's the, the opposite. And it's not God's his will, will for you in, within marriage either. It's just that is a more delicate balance. And so reach out for help. Talk right. to somebody like, right. don't go through that alone. Find help, find encouragement, find wise counsel. Right. Um, One thing is to never get married because you feel pressure to get married. Oh my gosh. Because that can, that can end you up and that can, you know, put you in a place where you're dealing with this and you're now you're married and you've yeah. made this commitment. So take it slow as much as you want to just <laughs> be in that season of life. <laughs> Take it slow. And I hate saying that because you and I didn't take it slow when it comes to our engagement (laughs) time frame. But But we we, had a lot of wise counsel. Right. We it we were married within eleven months of dating. We we got we got married eleven months after we started dating. But we had a lot of wise counsel and um and I I do feel like we we knew we knew that we knew that we knew. Yeah. So sorry. That one, Kay. I went off on Moving that Moving on. One. It's Sorry. all right. I like the next question. What do you think about that one? Uh, do opposites really attract? So my good friend and confidant, Cody, <laughs> if you listen to this, Cody, you're going to love my answer on this. Uh, Danielle and I had talked about it. Do opposites really attract? 
And my answer was, they can. <laughs> He's going to love that one. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke, which you shouldn't share on public podcasts. But I just shout throw out. that in there for, shout for my boy. So uh, we talked about this. They can. For sure. And I think they do at times. They yeah. don't have to. I don't right. think there's a rule here. No. When it comes to personalities, you know, maybe being considered opposite. But what we talked about was personalities are a lot more moldable than values. Hugely. Mm-hmm. So your personality can be molded, but it's it takes a significant amount of time and transformation (laughs) to change values yeah so i think while you're dating especially during that time i think one of the most important things for you to do is to come together on your values and see if they they match up some yeah like if if she if if he doesn't want to have kids and that's all you've ever wanted to have your whole life probably those values don't match up and so that's not opposites attracting It doesn't you know. matter. And honestly, like just to call it out, I mean, it doesn't matter how your chemistry is. It doesn't matter how attracted you are to each other. It doesn't matter, honestly, how much you get along in all regards. If you have major value differences, it's just not wise right. to pursue so either, a relationship. So either give it a lot of time yes. and see where that leads or, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe cut that off before it gets too far. But I would say, you know, to, to answer that as easy as possible as I, I would say we they definitely can and, and I've seen that happen. I think two of our good friends uh, from our church they when we brought this up to them they they are definitely opposites yeah. when it comes to personality regards, yeah. but their value system is like dead on completely mm-hmm. parallel. So mm-hmm. yeah I think I think that's a distinction to make. So don't get that confused. Don't get your personality confused with your value system in that. I'll add to that uh, question as well. I also think there has to be a baseline friendship. So if you're so opposite that you really just, the only thing you are is physically attracted to each other or you're like your jobs make sense or something like that, that you're going to have some issues because you have to have at least a baseline friendship to sustain it, to stay in relationships. So for example, um, Brian and I are opposites when it comes to athletics. <laughs> I, oh, it's just not my not my thing. Um, I, I I do enjoy some some sports and I uh, I like to be in the outdoors and stuff. But it's it's on a like another level for Brian. Um, so we aren't. That's not something that we are super alike in. Um, but there are so many other things that we have immensely in common. We like similar music and we like similar food and we enjoy traveling together. And so there are all of these other baseline things that we kind of get along in and coming back to some of the other questions we've talked about just when it comes to like one flesh. I think there's just got to be a there does have to be a baseline friendship, don't? wouldn't you say? Yep, totally. Yeah, for sure. So let's look at this next one. So how about what is something you wish that you knew as a newlywed that you've learned after years of marriage? That's a really good one. That's a great I'll question. I'll start off on this one. Yeah. So just we actually talked about this kind of in the beginning of this podcast, but probably the thing that I wish that I would have known the most, and it's not that people didn't tell me this, it's just that I wish that I would have known it, not just in my brain, but like known it in my heart, like I understood it, um, would be that Brian cannot be my source of security. Um, 
And I'm sure he wishes that I would have known that too. But it truly, <laughs> in a relationship, especially for the woman, it, it's got to be God. God has to be your sense of security and your stability and your consistency. And you cannot look to your husband to be to be that security for you. And I'm not just talking about financially. I'm literally just talking about the emotional level of security. Um, and if you're a woman, you know what that means. But it, it's got to be God because your husband, God love him, he's totally going to fail you um, from time to time. And he's not always going to be stable. And he's going to sometimes put his interest above above yours because he's a human being, yep. just like you're going to do the same thing. And so if you're so consumed and so wrapped up in him and his ability to be a good husband, it's going to, they're definitely going to have some issues some, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yep. And that, that posed a problem for us in the beginning, just in the sense of like, it, it, it kind of manifested itself in clinginess for me. Um, and, and that, Brian, you were saying the other day, it just creates a pressure for men that kind of causes them to crumble a lot of times mm -hmm. when that expectation is there. Well, because for men, you don't realize that that expectation is going to be there. Mm. So you get sure. into yeah. the relationship and then you find out through a series of events or whatever <laughs> it might be that we don't, we don't have to go into stories about it, but then you find out, oh, this person views me as more than just their husband and friend. Mm. which is very dis disturbing to be honest because you not necessarily on the case of the way you're viewing your wife but the way that you view yourself mm. and you think well how is this the case because I can't live up to that expectation yeah that's and that's good. an expectation that's not supposed to be placed on 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 men anyway it's not a, it's not an expectation that's supposed to be placed on women either right you know i think there are men that do that to to their wives as well so something to be careful. Yeah. For me, I guess getting my way wasn't as important as I thought it was. I think that's more of an issue <laughs> for men. Sure. Because to be honest, there are some things within men that definitely in our culture need to change. We need to become a lot more humble, mm. not passive, yes, humble. There's a fine line there. Okay. <laughs> I, because I honestly absolutely detest what's going on in our culture when it comes to men and how they're viewed and how they're looked at and I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the equality thing I'm talking about just the attributes of men being downplayed to something that they're not supposed to be you know for instance aggressiveness mm. when we're in bed at night and if someone broke into our house do you want me to be passive or aggressive <laughs> Right. And so if I'm told constantly in my life that you are this passive person that should never show any action or aggression, that is unhealthy for men. Mm -hmm. It's unhealthy. When I was a young boy, a lot of the, and at times, sure, as a young man, it was misplaced aggression and passion. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be groomed into when to use it. And I think. I think one of the coolest quotes, and I, I don't ever remember who said this, but it, it, it has to do a lot of a lot with how men should view their lives and operate, and is is that is carry a sword, but know when to unsheathe it and when to keep it sheathed. Mm, yeah, and that is part of giving men this foundation of who they're supposed to be. Mm. 
and we're supposed to be protectors and we're supposed to be strong and we're supposed to be aggressive in the right ways and we're supposed to be passionate as well as humble and kind and mm-hmm. gentle. Mm-hmm. And those that's possible. So right. once again, in our culture, we ditch jump and we're like, if a man is intense, then he, it's toxic. Yeah. And, and I think probably my least favorite term in culture is toxic masculinity right now, because yeah. masculinity in itself is not toxic. It's when men are doing things that are unhealthy, mm-hmm. it becomes toxic. Yeah. So we have to make a distinction there. Is there such thing as toxic max- masculinity? Yep. When men are making the wrong decisions. Sure. That's toxic and they're a man and they're masculine. So it's toxic <laughs> masculinity. But masculinity in itself is right. not toxic. It's mm-hmm. good. It's 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 a wonderful thing to kind of dive into and and un unleash in in men. So I I don't know. Sorry, I I went off again on that one but that is so super important important i think because mainly i don't think about myself i think about young young boys right young boys and and young teenage men and maybe that's what you wish that you would have known as a newlywed even more than you more than your other answer is the the importance of being a man well, yeah, yeah, and, and what that and really looks like, that. Yeah. yeah, and being patient and being kind and all of those yeah, things. Yeah, and all that of those things be. come together into what real manhood is. Right, and because I think I think my answer to that question is something that has molded me into being a better man, and that is realizing the importance of not always having to be right. Mm-hmm. Because that I think not only is just collectively as humans, we want to always think we're right. But I would say as a man, men have a lot more skin in the game when it comes to that. We deal with that a lot more. We want to be right. We're analytical and, and black and white usually. So, you know, that has, that has changed in me. At least I think it has. You can be the judge of that, that I've backed off on that. That's good. I think this one's short and sweet, but because probably mainly just because we don't know the answer to this question yet, because this this will happen over time. But how do you make a marriage last? How do you make a marriage that lasts, I guess, is the specific verbiage there. And ours has lasted thus far. (laughs) But I think we talked about this the other day and just short and simple. I think everything we've already talked about, communication, friendship, Christ being at the center and intentionality. I think those are the four big, 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 consistent over and over components that are a complete necessity. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. You have to have open communication, which actually was going to be one of the things we talked about on our next question. You have to have a friendship to enjoy one another's company, no matter what you're doing. You have to, obviously Christ is like not even a question, you know, and then you have to be intentional pretty much in everything. Right. It's super important. It's all of those. And then attached to each one of those is consistency. Mm-hmm. In consistency, you know, the consistent communication, the consistent move back to friendship when maybe you lose touch a little bit with that. The, you know, all of those <laughs> things. The, this is, I think this is when you hear people sell, say, I just fell out of love. Ugh. When, when you hear that statement, I think a lot of times it comes back to the fact that one, the other, or both people lacked in consistency. 
Yeah, for sure. And staying consistent in 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 some of those areas that you brought yeah, up there. I definitely agree with that. Two more questions. Um, we'll leave this this as you said the spiciest one for last. Um, what is the hardest thing in marriage? Yeah. So. I don't, you, you go first on this one. Okay. So for me, um, it's conflict resolution. Um, and that sounds very like therapy, um, like what you'd learn in a class or something, but genuinely resolving arguments. And I don't mean like coming to a perfect agreement cause that's literally not possible, but not letting them go unsettled, um, mm-hmm. is one of the hardest and one of the most important. Um, One thing that I really value about Brian is that he doesn't let conflict go unresolved. Like he, he would rather hash it out for three hours than to not get something resolved. One of the things that we've had to learn within that is sometimes for me, at least I get so my emotions are so involved in the moment that I, I need to sometimes take a break and step away and gather my thoughts because it's hard for me to sometimes really decide what am I really thinking and what am I feeling in that moment. So definitely, if you need to take time to walk away, then that's completely okay. But as my dad would always say, you set a time frame and you say, hey, I need a minute, but I'd like to come back to this in about 30 minutes or yeah. I'd like to come back to this before the end of the night and just yeah. not letting not ever walking away in anger and then coming back and acting like something didn't just happen. Totally. But getting to the bottom of it. Even if that means that you still don't agree, but you're able to part ways in love on that issue um, or come back to it later to have a healthier discussion, resolving conflict is super hard, but so incredibly important. Totally. Yeah. And, and I like your, your answer on that one. It's just a lot better than mine just because mine's kind of a, a, a repeat and that's just overall consistent consistency and depth of communication. I can't stress that enough. Mm-hmm. I think for you and I both, we've seen time and time again in, in people's lives, people that we know that it, at the end of the day, when, when they're having issues, we see that it's a breakdown in, in, in that in the yeah. consistency and depth of their communication with each other. So, but the conflict resolution one that you brought up, I think is so important. I think that's a huge one. So last question. You going to read it or you want me to? I can read it. Okay. This one's a little longer. So I want you to think about it. So it says, though there is no scripture that blatantly says this, I feel like in the church, there's a stigma that when a man and woman get married, her body belongs to him. Is that biblical? And if so, what does it look like practically? I was so stoked for this question. I know. That's I, that's probably my favorite question. I think we had somebody add on to that a little bit. Like, Yeah, just specifically, not not only the, the question for the question was not only how this applies to the woman and just her physical body, like maybe physically or sexually, but also um, in what she wears, how she behaves, all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. So can, should I start this one off or are you going to? You can if you'd like to. I feel like as a, as a man, this uh, one. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Okay. So the Bible does blatantly say that. And we will put the passage in the show notes. Babe, do you want to look up that actual? I forgot to write down the actual passage that says that. So the Bible actually does say that. But here's the catcher. The catcher? The catcher? The catch? Here's the, the catch. Kicker. Or the kicker. kicker. <laughs> 
So here's, here's the kicker. The <laughs> here's the kicker. It actually says that the woman's body belongs to the man and that the man's body belongs to the woman. And right. so the stigma, I think, is that the focus is on the fact that the woman belongs to the man. And you hear this probably more in denominational circles like that are just just different denominations, like specific ones. But um, I think it's an overall vibe as well, because I definitely have seen it and sensed it just that the woman belongs to the man. And then the re- it's, it's almost as if the rest of the passage just get, is forgotten about. So do you want to read it? Do you have it yeah. pulled up here? Yep. So it says, what it says is, for the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. And where is that at? And that is uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 4. So it would seem that it is saying that. I think the issue is that many times it's kind of twisted or taken out of context a little Mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. Because what's funny, and again, the difference between men and women (laughs) is that when women hear that their body is not their own, but it belongs to the man, it kind of rises up feelings of injustice. When the man hears that his body is his <laughs> wife's, he gets pumped. I'm so sure. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm so so sure. it's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, and I and I understand why yeah. that would be that way on both sides. I, I understand why women would feel that way. And so what it's not talking about is slavery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's just let's just jump out of that ditch. It's not talking about slavery and not even close. And again, if we bring in the full scope, we talked about this on the last podcast, but if we bring in the ability when it comes to scripture to read from a bird's eye view and in close, mm-hmm. and we and we look at both of those ways so that we're not so focused. Like when you're looking through a microscope at something, you don't see anything that's around you. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous. When you are at the top of a football stadium and you can see the whole game, you might be able to see kind of the main theme and what's going on, but you're missing the intricate details. Right. So we need to be able, as as Christians, we need to be able to look at the Bible in both of those ways and then formulate our beliefs based on what we see God saying Mm-hmm. in the very minuscule and the very kind of like micro and macro. Yeah. We yeah. need to we need to be able to do that. So here although we joke around about that you know I, it goes back to the whole thing that we've talked about in the roles of a husband and wife. So truly women if a man is loving you as Christ loved the church then all of the negative connotations or aspects that you think might exist within your body being his are completely put at rest. Yeah. Because Christ, how does Christ treat us? Yeah. As the church. Sacrifices. Right. And and he says himself, I did not come to be served, Mm -hmm. but I came to serve. So I think we take that a little bit out of context or twist that sometimes within the church to say, like, I own you Mm -hmm. and you own me. Mm -hmm. And that I think can be, uh, not can be, that is a dangerous way to view, view that. Because again, if we're talking about, um, if we're talking about self, you know, losing ourself, 
then we're not looking at it again, like you said, another person as our source. Mm-hmm. We're not looking, we're looking to God as our source. So when, when, when this all kind of comes to a head, I think it's just really, really important to recognize that we, we have distinct roles within that context. I like to think of it even just of the, the sense that, you know, if the husband is the protector and he is the shield and he is, God did uniquely and wonderfully make him to be strong and to take care of his wife, then that's actually within that context, that scripture is really reassuring mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's a safe place. It's not a scary place. It's a safe place because if he's supposed to love me as Christ, if you're supposed to love me as Christ loves the church, and if you're supposed to be a strong vessel, somebody that protects and guides and shields me, then that's actually reassuring that you like that I am yours. Mm-hmm. And I think vice versa, when we think about the way that God uniquely made women to nurture and care for and tend and uh, all of those things, those beautiful ways that he made us to to pull out and draw out your, like what you're feeling, uh, how you're feeling about things, then that's a safe place for a man as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, if we put the whole connotation of just it being sexual aside and we can look at, at actually what God, I think, is saying here, it's so much more than that. It's mm-hmm. not just that I have the liberty to say, I want this now. It, it's it's more about being able to cherish that person and take care of that person because that's that's really what we're saying tonight anyways. That's what yeah. being one flesh is. Well, and that's not how God isn't that way with us. Right. He's patient and kind and long suffering. Right. And you know, when I think about this, I think about just kind of a lot of the principles that scripture outlines for not only the way that we should operate as people, but the way we should operate in a marriage. And so I think when we when we come to this question and we come to this statement that, you know, your body is mine and my body is yours, I think it's important to to frame that within the rest of what we know about what God says concerning a marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. So I frame that within, I'm supposed to love you as Christ loved the church. I'm supposed to sacrifice for you. I'm supposed to serve you. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very apparent if this scripture is being taken out of context because one or the other person is going to be more focused on yep. on what on what the other person is doing wrong or right and less focused on maybe what they're doing wrong or right. It's almost like the whole thing of why am I so adamantly trying to remove the speck from your eye when I have a log in my eye, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think that it, that that's another thing that kind of comes into this view of what this means. And when it comes to, I think it'd be really good for us to touch on those specifics, mm-hmm. like what a woman wears, uh, how, you know, how a woman dresses, how a woman I guess, um, expresses herself. Um, and then even, even just sexually, Yeah, I think that, I think that is an important thing. So we're not going to, we're going to try to keep it PG 13. We'll say this will be PG 13. <laughs> I was going to say PG, but I was like, no, nope, we're going above that a little bit. Yeah. I think Daniel and I have always lived by this. We need to be completely open and honest with each other about what is acceptable mm-hmm. when it comes to our sex life and not breach 
that trust in any way. Yep. And we communicate about it and we decide for for ourselves, you know, her being honest with me, me being honest with her about what is acceptable and then that's what we that's what we allow for experience in our in our sex life. And I think that's a really good way to do it. Yep. If if you are uncomfortable with something, then speak your heart. Mm-hmm. That's important. If you're uncomfortable with an aspect of something that's going on, then speak your heart. In the same token, though, a man should be able to speak his heart if he thinks that maybe his wife is is dressing maybe inappropriate in public. Mm. And I and and I don't think that that means it doesn't mean that the wife has to change. Right. But I think, again, if we go back to that scripture, view others more significant as your, than yourself, yeah. then I think we start to come to this beautiful balance of truly loving each other. Yep. And it's not about controlling each other, having no. any type of control over each other, but it is about being able to give some things mm-hmm. to the other person and make sacrifices. At the end of the day, marriage can be boiled down to sacrifices that lead to more beautiful outcomes mm-hmm. than when we started. Yeah. In the moment something might seem like a huge sacrifice and then later on you realize this has become a foundation within me that's built me into becoming a stronger person and a stronger husband or wife or Christian. And so I, I think there are definitely ways that I guess on both sides of this, that can become, that can become muddy. But I think, I think if we find ourselves right in the middle, yeah, that that's so important. Do you want to speak to and that a little that, bit? It's, it's, it's tough. Well, this yeah. is not an easy, this is not an easy question to answer because I think at the end of the day, you kind of have to get in the trenches with each other and work them out. Yeah. Well, and it's like, like we've talked about over and over again, it, it really just comes down to healthy communication. So being honest with each other, being transparent with each other, saying when you like or don't like something, just communicating like preferences as, as, as simple as that seems, sometimes that's hard or uncomfortable to communicate a preference that you have. For example, Brian just wants more than anything on the planet. Sounds like it's going to get really intense, but it's just not. He just really wants a mustache. I, I'd like to run a mustache. I'd I'd rather you didn't and, for and, the rest and of I'd my like, life. So, and so here's, here's a for instance. I'd like to run a mustache. I think that although in culture that one of the the ideas of fashion are mechanic suits. And so if you like if you like rocking a mechanic suit, more power to you. I'm not a big fan of com- mechanic suits. <laughs> Danielle and I have talked about that and I'm not and I would never tell her you can't wear a mechanic suit. I but, would tell you that you can't have a mustache though. Right, right, right. right. Yep. And, and, and so we'll if you wore far. a mechanic suit all the time, I'd be like, okay, let's scale back on the mechanic suit. And again, I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody who that's a, a fashion in the, in the world of women. And, uh, but I'd like to run a mustache, but here's what we're getting to. I don't run a mustache because... Danielle really doesn't like a mustache. I think that they're 
so horrid. I yeah. just find them so incredibly unattractive. And so I have communicated my preference and my opinion on the mustache situation. However, and the my compromise... Boys are, and my boys are even yelling, like, don't let her control you. Of course You they run are. that mustache and they I'm want me to send to pictures to them and everything. I'm going to need you to not say run it anymore but, because you're done. <laughs> but... but so, so I hate the mustache, right? So... But, and here's another beautiful way that you compromise and you serve one another and you love each other. When Brian is out on a hunting trip or in the boundary waters, or he is in Alaska for six weeks, I just encourage him to wear that mustache for as long as he would like, because he is far away from me and I don't have to be seen in public with him. So, so he gets to have these little moments uh, because he loves me and he doesn't force the mustache upon me. <laughs> as <laughs> as you is. don't force the mechanic suits <laughs> upon me. And, and that's how that works. So obviously this is a really funny <laughs> example of this, but this can be taken into, into deeper water and more serious For as sure. well. For but sure. it, I think it's kind of funny to end tonight on, it's a, very real. on a funny note. And I so really I like promise to not run a mustache and i promise not to wear a mechanic suit <laughs> although if you would like to wear a mechanic suit you'd that's, be okay that's with me okay. wearing it while you're in alaska <laughs> that's right right or here's the other way this goes you can I run a mechanic suit all you, you want you have and, I'll, the mustache, and i'll have a mustache and we'll just go on a date yeah. it'll be great uh, <laughs> so. well thank you guys so much for your questions um this was just been a lot of fun. It's been a fun conversation to have. Um, Brian and I, it caused us to dig in deep because we, we, as much as I'd like to say that we're so cool and we just did all of this on the spot, we definitely talked through a lot of these questions in advance. And it, so it just produced some really great conversation for the two of us. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for your honesty and for being bold in, in your questions. These were all super good. Oh, they were such good thanks questions. For, yeah. Thanks for these questions. Cause they were awesome. They really made us think about some of the aspects of our marriage. So yeah, I, sure. it's a privilege seriously to be on this podcast and to have a discussion about these things. And you know, from a man's point of view, some of these things might be difficult for, for women to hear or to understand. And that and that's not to say that I have all these things right. right. I'm still on the journey and I'm still learning to be a good husband and be a good man. And so, you know, just to remember that. Sometimes I think it's so easy in this in this world of, you know, keyboards and and social media and comments and likes to not realize that the person you are speaking to or engaging with is a human. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're a human being. Yeah. And so it's very easy to be really rotten to each other when we don't keep that in mind. Yeah. But when we keep in mind that this is an, this is another human being that I'm engaging with. Yeah. Then, it, sure. then I think if, if respect doesn't find us there, then, then we've really gone too far. So for sure. To continue to respect each other and to respect differences in point of views is yeah. completely fine. It's it's okay to agree to disagree on some of these things, but hopefully this was a help just hearing us talk about some of these things. And again, it's a huge privilege to join the RubyCon podcast. Well, thanks for coming out, babe. Yeah. And um, we'll hopefully... <laughs> do this to coming thanks out. Thanks for coming out to our bedroom. <laughs> We're just sitting here in our room. Thanks <laughs> yep. for coming over. <laughs> oh man. Well, I hope we get to do this again soon and we love you. Thanks for tuning in. 
Wow, seriously, thank you all so much for the content for today's episode. You asked such thought-provoking questions, and Brian and I had wonderfully rich conversation before and during our recording. I think that's what I love most about marriage, the conversation. Just like Brian said, being able to experience life together and sharing ourselves with one another is such a treasure. Today might have been hard for you, though. Maybe your marriage is broken right now. Maybe you've walked through or are walking through the painful death of your spouse or a messy divorce. Maybe you've struggled with some of the tense things we addressed about culture and individualism and manhood. And maybe you've longed to be married for a while now and you feel like your person is never coming. I see you, my friend. Marriage is challenging and it comes with a lot of complicated emotions and experiences. But let me tell you from personal experience and from the unchanging truth of God's word, it is worth it. You can and you should fight for it if you're waiting, if you're in it, even if you're on the other side. I truly hope that you look up the verses that we discussed tonight, maybe even with your spouse. Take some time to dig deep into God's word and allow that to define and inform how you view marriage. Grab a girlfriend and ask her to walk through the scriptures with you, or even take time to journal your answers to these same questions. If you're married, reflecting on the truth in the word and recalling memories in God's faithfulness is a powerful thing. And even if you're not married, the same is true. Most of all, I pray that you will continue to ask yourself what God is saying through his word and by his spirit to you each and every time you listen to the Ruby Kind podcast. I give God thanks for you and for the work that I'm confident he's doing in and through you. If our conversation today was encouraging or challenged you to pursue godly marriage, will you take a minute to review it for us? When you leave a review on any of our podcast platforms, it helps other amazing women like yourself find out about the Ruby kind and grow in their faith with us. I would be so grateful. And if you liked this episode and would like Brian and I to cover more on marriage or discipleship, send me a message. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are and get input on what would encourage you in your faith journey. As always, we hope this was an encouragement and a challenge in your pursuit in following Jesus and letting Him form you into a rare and precious gem. Until next time, friends, my love and prayers are with you and yours. The Ruby Kind Podcast is written and directed by Danielle Hallberg. Original music and audio production by Nakota Rankin. Connect with us online. Links to our website, Instagram, and Facebook can be found in the show notes.